Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. And today we have a special guest with us, Doreen Virtue. A lot of you you probably are already familiar with Doreen. I was not until she reached out to me a couple of years ago to be a guest on her YouTube show. And I got her email and I was like, who is this person? <laughs> because I didn't know who she was. And I was afraid it was some, you know, like a liberal feminazi lunatic oh. <laughs> who wanted to get me on her show and ambush me with, you know, ridiculous questions or something like that. And so I happened to mention this to my son. And he said, Mom, you don't know who Doreen Virtue is? How could you not know? She's got this great testimony and yada, yada, yada. And you have to have, you have to do her show. And so I did. And so we've been friends ever since. And I had the pleasure of writing an endorsement for her wonderful book. And I was on her show again just a few weeks ago. And it has just been such a joy getting to know Doreen and her ministry and what Christ has done in her life. And Amy, you were on Doreen's show last year too, right? Yeah. Yes, I can't remember if it was last year or the year, a year and a half ago, but, um, you know, I've followed Doreen's journey out of the new age and I uh, was so excited when she invited me a couple years ago to uh, be interviewed. And Doreen and her friend and ours, of course, Melissa Doherty, uh, talked with me on their YouTube channel about uh, one of the trends we're seeing in the modern seeker-driven church, and that is a gospel that focuses on us rather than on Christ. And of course, that's really no gospel at all, but the title of that YouTube video is Why Me-Centered Teachings Are Dangerous. And we're going to link up Michelle's and my uh, interviews with Doreen uh, in the show notes, but this is going to be our podcast with her. So now that we've told you how we know Doreen, uh, we're going to let you tell, uh, we're going to let her tell you more about herself. So Doreen, welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken. Thank you. It's such an honor to be with you both. You both have blessed me so much Aww. with my walk with Christ. And Michelle, I just want to say that when I was interviewing you the first time, <laughs> I was asking you questions because I needed so much help. I was at that time <laughs> attending, I was in a, the middle of a two-year Bible study on Hebrews um, <laughs> by a woman who was a pastor and it was, uh -oh. a mixed, it was a mixed group. And I asked you, and I love this woman, I still have friends with her, but I asked you, I said, is it a sin for me to be in this group? And you said, yes. And it convicted me <laughs> and I got out. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm glad that something I said was able to be helpful. Well, well, I, I had sat under women pastors in quotes, you know, right. <laughs> pastors my whole life. My mom was the reader at the Christian Science Church, which is like a Christian science pastor. And then I was an Episcopalian and we had a female priest. Yeah, they're called. And and so I, you really straightened me out with our interview and helped me to really understand First Timothy 2.12 and and such. So thank you very much for what you've done for me. Oh, well, I'm so glad I was able Praise to serve you in that way. Yeah. No, I just, I need, I needed a lot of tutelage. So <laughs> Don't I'm, we all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Doreen, we want to encourage our listeners to check out your book, Michelle was mentioning earlier, called Deceived No More. Uh, it's really fascinating. It tells your whole testimony of how you came to Christ. And of course, we're going to put a link for the book in our show notes. But just to whet our listeners' appetite, can you give us sort of the, the Cliff Notes version of your background growing up and how you came to know Jesus? Thank you so much. Yeah, I was raised in a false gospel church. Even though my mom insisted that my brother and I and her were Christians, um, our family mm -hmm. going back four generations was Christian scientists. My mom was a professional Christian science practitioner with her own downtown office 
um, specializing in healing glaucoma. She had gaps wow. and gaps of patience, pain for her to pray over them. And, and the thing was people were healed and we would go to Sunday school every Sunday and Wednesday night testimonial meetings. So we were in church twice a week. I was given a King James Bible as soon as I could read and we read out of it every week. So it, you know, the, it was like a Pharisee thing on the outside. It looked like we were devout Christians, but on the inside, our cup was dirty because mm. we were praying to a false Jesus who Christian science claims is just a man who was a role model and who was his only purpose was to teach us how to heal like him. But wow. like I said, there were healings and I, and we didn't go to doctors growing up at all. We, my mom would pray over our hurt knees and our stomach aches. And, and even when our car would break down, she'd pray over it and things would work and heal. So I was really deceived because it looked like this was the truth. Um, in fact, in front of every Christian science pulpit, it says from first John, you shall know the truth, truth shall set you free. And, um, and it, and it's just, that's not from first John. It's another first John. Just got, anyway, in, in the back of every pulpit, there's, it says that you shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free. My mom's still a Christian scientist. She still claims that it's the truth because it works. Um, I now know because I got right into Christians uh, from Christian science to new age. And it also seemed to work in new age. We were doing energy healing, mm -hmm. uh, pr pranic healing, chi healing, uh, shamanic healing, uh, journeying, all sorts of just real experimental healings. And it seemed to work. Um, the, the person who helped me with this probably the most is Justin Peters. I know yeah. brother, friend too. Um, he, as you know, his whole life, he was looking for healing from his cerebral palsy and, and he went to faith healers and ended up doing his, his master's in theology dissertation on uh, the false theology of faith, faith healings. And he told me when I interviewed him for my YouTube channel that he believes it's demonic, that the demons will cause injury and disease and illness, and then lead people to false teachers. And then they'll, they'll stop the oppression. And it, it appears that you've had a healing, but it's just this way of the demons oppressing you. And you literally get addicted to the false gospel. And that's what, what my life was. For 59 years, I was in the false gospel. I was 59 um, in late 2017 when I was saved. I'm now 63. So I'm still a pretty new believer. Um, but in that meantime, I was writing books about Christian science mixed with new age, where it was mind, body, spirit, healing. It was think positive and you will have positive in your life. It, avoid negative. Um, Christian science taught us there's no such thing as sin, disease, death, or devil. So the gospel just did not affect me at all until the Holy Spirit willed it to affect me. Um, I just thought that, you know, you, you're a good person or you're not. That was my whole belief growing up. And, and my mom still thinks that way. I, I ask that everyone pray for her, please. Her name is Joanne. She's yes. 87 and in very poor health. Okay. Yeah, we sure will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it was in 2015, because I identified as a Christian, and I was always listening to Christian ministry on the radio. I mean, I listened to Chuck Smith for years when he was around on Calvary Chapel Radio. I listened to the whole Bible several times on audio that I borrowed from the library. But I would also listen to Hindu gurus and Buddhist gurus and Native American shaman. I, I was one of those co-create people. 
Mm. And I, I was studying world religions in my belief. And what I taught was all paths lead to God. That it's just human way of trying to describe the divine. And we're all describing it in different ways, like the blind men with the elephant parts. And it's all the same. And so I would listen to Christian radio. And, and this January 2015, I was listening to Alistair Begg, who I just adore. And I had listened to him for years, but this day it convicted me. The Holy Spirit used his sermon to convict me because he was talking about Second Timothy 4, false teachers at the end time with the tickling of the itching ears. And it just hit me, you guys. I just said, oh my goodness, he's describing me. I'm a false teacher. And that had never happened. Up until that time, I thought I was doing God's will and God's work because people said they were comforted by my work. They said they were healed and and happier and they called me an angel and people coming to my workshops had crosses around their neck and they said they were Christians. And, and I thought, well, I must be doing God's work then. But that day, January, 2015, I started to think, oh, maybe I'm not doing God's work. I said to, I, that I heard that, that sermon on a car radio. I went home. I said to Michael, please, can we go to a real church? Cause we'd been going to unity and Christian science and the new age churches. And I was like, can we go to a real church? Sure. He said he was raised Methodist and he, he had gotten away from it and was in the new age with me. And, and so we didn't know what denomination to go to. There wasn't a Methodist church near us. So we ended up at a Episcopalian church and, and they were so nice to us. I mean, the Episcopalians have a well-deserved uh, reputation of hospitality. They are the most hospitable people you'd ever want to meet. They're like, come in, here's some food. Here, come to my house. Here's coffee. I love you. You know, they're just huggy, huggy. And so we were members, very active members of their church for two years. And it hurts me to say this because I love those folks so much. But I, as I, as we were reading the Bible more and more during that time, we were realizing that what they were teaching wasn't biblical what they were practicing wasn't biblical. It was it was like truth mixed with non-truth, just like I was raised with. And um, and so when I was saved at the end of 2017, by reading Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, which says that it's, it's Moses reiterating the Ten Commandments, saying, okay, you're about to go in, across the Jordan River. You're about to go into Canaan. Uh, don't be like the pagans. Don't burn your children. Of course, I had that. I didn't even have anything to do with that. I was pro-life, um, but just don't, don't, don't use divination. I was doing that. Don't interpret omens. I was doing that. Don't use mediumship. I was doing that. Um, all these things I was doing, except for witchcraft, because that was somehow my, you know, I, my, I, I was afraid of it, but everything else he said, don't do, uh, I was doing. And it said at the end of that passage, you guys, it said, you are an abomination detestable to God if you do these things. And that just floored me. Cause as I said, I thought I was helping God. I called myself sometimes pridefully God's secretary as I was writing these books. I mean, just so prideful. And to find out that I was the opposite, that I was detestable. I was an abomination to God. I was broken. First time in my life, I was broken on my knees. I was crying. It seemed like maybe three days of just this overwhelming godly sorrow to realize that I had been sinning my whole life. And not only that, but passing it along to others, including my own children. Um, it's still this very heavy burden that I, I, I put at the foot of the cross daily and repent for because my old books are still out there. Other people are still selling them. 
beyond my control, even though I've done everything I can to get them off the market. Other people do it because they make money off of it. Um, it's just, it's a very heavy burden that I was deceiving people and I was deceived. Um, so now what I do is I do my best to tell people, I can see the new age in the church, you guys. I mean, it's what I just left. I know new age, like an ex-smoker can smell smoke ease more easily than a non-smoker. And I can spot new age and I'm telling you it's in the church. So that's what I do now is just help Christians to avoid new age deception. Well, that's great. And I'm so, I'm so thankful that the Lord saved you out of all of that. And, and, you know, you, I, you're probably going to tell us a little bit about a little bit more about how you got saved and everything uh, as we go along, but it's, I'm just so thankful that God still works in people's hearts and works in people's lives. And just want to, you know, emphasize that to our listeners that it doesn't, you know, God can still save people. It doesn't matter how far gone somebody is. It doesn't matter how into false doctrine somebody is. If God wants to save that person, he is going to save that person. So if you have a loved one or a friend that, you know, is, is just way off in the la la land of false doctrine keep praying for that person because the Lord can, uh, can save him or her and, and bring that person to know Christ. Well, um, Doreen, you've, you've given us such a great overview of your, your background and everything and, and, uh, kind of want to zoom in a little bit more on some of the details here. You had mentioned that you grew up in the Christian science religion and I've heard it said that Christian science is, is like grape nuts cereal. You know, grape nuts is neither grape nor nuts, and Christian science is neither Christian nor science. But yeah, but and you've told us a, li- a lot about the, the healing aspect of it, but our, a lot of our listeners probably aren't familiar with some of the other aspects of Christian science. Can you explain, you know, just a few of the basic beliefs or doctrines of Christian science and why it isn't Christian? Oh, absolutely. So, and and sometimes people think it's the same as Scientology, which is another false gospel right. religion. It's not Scientology, but similar in that it's one person who decided that they were going to interpret the Bible. So this one person, Mary Baker Eddy, uh, at the end of the 1800s, she uh, she was a, uh, a mystic. She was a psychic. She claimed to channel Abraham Lincoln. Um, she was um, many times divorced. Um, she had lawsuits. I mean, just doing things that you wouldn't expect a Christian woman to do. And she, and there's evidence that she took the material from a hypnotist named Phineas Quimby, who was one of her teachers and plagiarized his manuscripts to write her book, uh, science and health with key to the scripture. And she's worshiped. Uh, she, there's idolatry in Christian science at every service you're supposed to just give your praise for her and how you're grateful to her. Um, she's, she's very much like a Joseph Smith to Christian scientists. And, um, and so at the pulpit of Christian science, two books are read, uh, Science and Health and the Bible. And Science and Health is supposed to interpret the Bible. So she calls God mother, father with the feminine first. Um, you know, just, and she said that God is an infinite mind. She doesn't personalize God. So I grew up thinking God was like this energy. It's why I veered off into dealing with angels and they weren't the biblical God's angels. These were demons disguised as angels, second Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, um, because she didn't have a personal God at all. Uh, she taught that uh, the only evil in the world is 
negative thinking or what she calls mortal mind uh, errors in thinking that she's real fixated on Genesis 1:26, where uh, let us make God, uh, let us make man in our image. So she says that we're still made in the image and likeness of God, which is true. We are image bearers, but she ignores Genesis three as a myth, the fall of humanity and says that we are, because God is not sinful and we're in his image and likeness, we can't be sinful. Since God is not ill or injured or sick or you know anything debased, neither are we in spiritual truth. So anytime there's a problem, you're supposed to just deny it and, and say it's an illusion, that evil's an illusion, sickness is an illusion. And the only thing real is spirit. And you deny your body like Gnosticism did. And I grew up with that. It's very delusional and it caused me to not take a look at problems in my life. I would ignore them. And I see that in the new age a lot where people don't go to the doctor when they get um, there's obvious symptoms or they will not balance their checkbook. They won't take a look at their marriage. Um, instead, you just kind of bury problems and not look at it. So it's a real unhealthy and blasphemous radical uh, religion. Uh, and I'm catching a whiff of a whole bunch of different kind of movements that we talk about on uh, on this show and that you talk about too, uh, Doreen. And uh, I even I even catch a little bit as you were talking about you know Christian Science, even the the Unitarian stuff that I was raised in. At all paths lead, but uh, and and we even did some transcendental meditation even on a one Sunday morning. I remember going out of my body. It was just weird, wacky, non Christian stuff. But um, the New Age became it, it's. It's something very intoxicating, and I'm sure it was for you as well, because as Christians, you know, we believe the gospel. We're baptized, we join a local church, but the New Age, it, it's so enticing, and it really doesn't have any sort of initiation or doctrines like that or, or beliefs you're required to hold, does it? No, the New Age is often called a spiritual buffet, yeah. and, and, and it's expanded that it's like going through a buffet, you take a little of this, not that, take this, take that. And so it's this blend of Catholicism, very heavy Catholicism yeah. in there. A lot of New Agers are ex-Catholics, um, and it's got a lot of Hinduism, Buddhism, Native American, and Celtic goddess worship mixed together in there. And then just people making up whatever comes in their head and saying it's channeled. And, and it contradicts itself constantly. I, I, even when I was a, in the dyed in the wool new ager, I kept thinking, well, this person says North, South, East, and West are this. And this person says the opposite. You know, everyone's contradicting everybody. The new, they, they love near-death experiences. That's their Bible about what heaven is. And, and that's their doctrine that everyone goes to heaven as long as you're a good person. But that phrase, good person, is never nailed down. What does that mean? You know, at least in Christianity and the Bible, you know what it takes to go to heaven through Christ, right? <laughs> through right. repenting and believing in Jesus. But in the new age, it's like, oh, well, just recycle and be nice to animals and you'll go to heaven. That's basically it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, well, so one of the things that's interesting to me is that you were saying before that a lot of people who are in Christian science and a lot of people who are in the new age will say that they are Christians, but a lot of what you're saying reflects that the beliefs that are, you know, part of Christian science or the beliefs that are part of new age conflict with Christianity. So can you speak to that a little bit? Why, why are those types of belief in conflict with Christianity as we know it? Absolutely. Well, what I, I just want to start with saying that 
I was touring as a new age teacher for over 20 years around the world. And after every workshop, I would, I would stand with people and sit with people, um, usually signing books, but talking with new agers. And I found that there was a high incident of people who were trauma survivors in the new age. I, and, and that includes me, a lot of us who our parents divorced really badly, or we were abused or neglected. And uh, just a lot of looking for safety and the new age seems to offer that. It's, and a lot of people were running away from what they perceived as fear in Christianity or Catholicism. Uh, a lot of people running away from guilt and the wrath of God and thinking that, that the new age teaches that there is no wrath of God, that God is love. And it has a lot of parallels in the new age to prosperity gospel. It shifts from a focus on glorifying God to glorifying yourself. So a trauma survivor is ripe for this because you go around with positive affirmations, which is so integrated with new age theology. Um, and you, you go around saying, I'm perfect, whole and complete. Um, I'm lovable. I'm wonderful. People love me. And as a trauma survivor, it feels good for a moment to say those things. It lifts you up and boosts you. And it's all about self-esteem there, uh, which is not a phrase in the Bible. And and so you seem to have this temporary higher, temporary happiness through affirmations. And then yoga is really pushed in the new age um, where you've got to, you know, learn how to do your, your uh, pelican stance and your Krishna pose, your tree poses. That's proficiency in the new age. And, and those are the attempts to get peace. They're very similar to the sacrifices in the Old Testament where it's just that temporary fix. And that's what the new age is doing, this temporary fix. And, and uh, as these trauma survivors use these temporary fix, you, you have this whole long list of things you have to do every day. You have to clear your chakras. You have to clear your crystals on the full moon. Um, it's, you have to have your positive affirmations. If you have any negative thought, you have to cancel, clear, and delete it immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, you cannot watch or read the news because that's negative. You can't talk to Christians because they're fear-based, guilt-based, negative. The phobia about negativity in the new age is, is it's ironic because that's a fear <laughs> because yeah. they, they tell you that if you think negative, you're going to attract this really bad thing. So you're just always like, oh, I can't, I can't be around any negativity. You're so afraid of it. Like this vicious cycle. Uh, and and that then it gets into the prosperity gospel yes, where it, yeah. it focuses on Jesus's words out of context, knock and it, the door shall be open, ask and it shall be given. Those are book titles by this channeled spirit entity called Abraham, mm -hmm. which is a cluster of spirits that this woman who I know personally, because I toured with all these big new age teachers for years. Um, and Esther Hicks, sweetest woman you'd ever met, you know, a woman from Texas. I knew her husband before he passed. And, and yet she will go in this trance, her voice will change and she'll bring through this voice that tells you that if you think positive, you'll get prosperity. And I mean, it sounds like Joel Osteen to me. He was also in Texas. Right. And, <laughs> and so Texas isn't looking too good right now. <laughs> no, you guys, come on. <laughs> So a lot of it is real self-based. It's all, it's all about glorifying the self. What can I get? What can I manifest obsessive, just obsessing with manifesting, wow. um, which, which borders on witchcraft now that I'm out of it. 
Yeah, uh, and and we talk a lot about the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation, and they're manifesting all the time. But, you know, and, and a lot of this comes straight out of the occult and New Age. And so I was just curious, what sorts of New Age practices are you seeing uh, mostly creeping into the church? And uh, my second question would be, how, you know, how do you advise our listeners on what to do if they see those things starting to happen in their own churches? Okay, well, I want to preface this by saying what I'm about to say will offend some people. And That's okay, I, we're okay, used to that. Okay, <laughs> and, and I get called a legalist all the time, but I'm not saying that these things will save you. They can be salvific if you're following the wrong Jesus or the wrong gospel, but they, these, this is not about being saved by your works. We're saved by grace of God through our faith in Jesus only. Um, so number, and then also Ephesians 511 were, were to call out and expose the darkness. Yes. I was shocked. You guys, when I got out of the new age, I just assumed I was going to go into pious churches that would be biblically sound. I just assumed that. <laughs> and when I got into some of these churches and it was identical to the mind, body, spirit festivals that I had just left, or I'd watch mm-hmm. them on TV. And, and my husband and I went to a Hillsong um, sermon or church service in Sydney, Australia, soon after we were saved. And, and we were just shocked by what they said. We were like, this is just like the new age, except these guys aren't paying taxes like we are. It's just crazy. Yeah. So, I, okay. The number one encroachment of new age into the church, in my opinion, is Jesus calling. The Jesus oh, calling yeah. book is the most dangerous Trojan horse around. I don't believe Sarah Young knows she's deceived, just like I didn't know I was deceived in the new age. She is channeling an entity who is not Jesus. And she's fooling people by putting scripture references at the bottom of each page. But if someone would take the time to actually open those references where she might say something like, God loves you so unconditionally and you're his treasure, you're his buddy. You, he just thinks you're super keen and you can't do anything wrong. And then she'll, she'll put Matthew six, four at the bottom. So sermon on the Mount. And if someone would take the time to just open that up and read it and compare with what her channeling said, they would say, wait a minute, that's two different voices. This is Jesus confronting us, not comforting us in our sins. (laughs) So something (laughs) <laughs> Jesus calling. And, and I have the original book. Uh, oh, so do wrote. I. 2009. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so she originally credited God calling, which is a new age right. uh, yeah. channeled metaphysical book. And she said it was a treasure. And she modeled herself after that until Warren Smith, your, our friend, called her out. And then they, they scrubbed it and they yeah. made the new edition right. not say that. Um, and that's a sign of a false teacher, by the way, which I want to just be transparent and say, when I was in the new age, I used to do that. When someone would call me out, the next edition wouldn't have that. You just scrub it. Like it wasn't, yeah. like it didn't even yeah, happen. It yeah. didn't even happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Sarah Young has put out like two or three different updated editions of Jesus yeah. calling, taking things out. Yeah. So that should be a clue because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not right. contradict himself. It's, that's impossible. So how could he have made a mistake in his channeling? Now, I do want to say in my Deceived No More, after it was published, um, Justin Peters and Chris Rosebro had kind of like this talk with me. It was many talks about this vision I had before I was saved in 2017, in January 2017. I'd been having visions my whole life. I don't anymore. But I had a vision of Jesus that day that I thought was part of my salvation. It was months before I was actually saved. But I had it in my book. And then I explain in the book, I didn't scrub it, but I explain in the book how they helped me to see 
that oh that wasn't a, that wasn't Jesus you saw that was real yeah. insights that you had that God gave you that that um, Jesus is the Son of God who died for our sins and the Bible is God's inerrant infallible word those that's real that was from God but the vision of Jesus no that wasn't real and 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 it made sense because I was having visions of Jesus my whole life um, it was just part of the spiritual warfare because I you know. The, the devil's a sore loser when, when someone leaves the new age, especially a new age teacher, like, yeah. like I was, um, at the time I was saved, I was the top selling new age author, uh, worldwide from Hay House, Louise Hayes publishing house. I was touring with Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Marion Williamson, um, the man who wrote conversations with God, the couple that wrote the Celestine prophecy. These were all my friends. Um, and, and I'm dropping names on purpose to let, people know that I know the new age. And if anyone's doubting what I'm talking about with Jesus calling, um, I just want to say that her method is exactly the method I use to channel most of my heretical books. And I always wow. said it was from God's angels. I even channeled a couple things from Jesus. And, and I regret that and I repent for it. And if anyone is listening who was uh, influenced by it, I am so sorry. I did not know I was deceived. Um, and please burn, burn my old books, please burn them and burn Jesus calling the second encroachment into the church. That's most prevalent. Um, it's kind of a tie between yoga and the Enneagram. I know you guys have covered the Enneagram, yep. but I just want to kind of focus on the process of how Claudia Naranjo got the nine Enneatypes through automatic writing that's channeling demons. He yes. is bragging about it. And there's some interviews where he's saying he's channeled Metatron, who is a demon who's not in our canonical Bible at all because he doesn't belong there. He's, he's, uh, he's a demonic satanic being that is pretending to be our friend. And the Enneotypes pull people away from the gospel and their true identity as children of God if they're saved and make them think that they are a number instead. Uh, and so it's a Trojan horse. You same with yoga. Yoga is not just stretching. It's not just exercise. I know it feels good. I practiced it for 20 years when I was in the new age. So I did all the sun salutations and stretches and all those things. It is not just stretching though, because it's got a spiritual component to it. It's not neutral. It's it's got Sanskrit, which is an ancient Eastern language that has you chanting blasphemous things like namaste, which means the God in me recognizes and honors the God in you. So it's polytheism. It has you chanting om, which is the sound supposedly of the universe. The, the, the New Agers always worship the universe, the creation instead of the creator. And, and there's deity statues throughout almost every yoga studio. And then someone's going to argue with me. Yeah, but we do Christian yoga. We do holy yoga. We listen to scripture while we're doing that. We would never, ever worship a deity while we're doing yoga, except for Jesus. And I would say, why do you have to call it Christian then? Why don't, is there mm -hmm. Christian baseball? Is there Christian soccer? Right. I mean, this, this is like protesting too much. Yeah. You are, when you do the sun salutation, there's a part of it to every, every yoga class has something called warrior poses, warrior one, two, and three, which is Virabhadrasana in Sanskrit. Virabhadrasana means opposed to Virabhadras, who's a Hindu demon who murdered in the Hindu scriptures. 
And you are actually acting out a demonic murder scene through Warrior 1, 2, and 3. It is not glorifying to God to have your arms stretched out in a non-natural way. Yoga has no place in a Christian's life. I would never get back on a yoga mat again. I do stretch every day. Um, I think stretching is something that God built into us. You can look at your cat or your dog and see that. Um, but don't do the sun salutations. Don't do yoga classes. Don't do holy yoga. If anyone doubts this, look up Caitlin Engelbert, who's a former holy yoga teacher who was convicted by the Holy Spirit and now has a YouTube channel with free videos called non-yoga stretching. That's fabulous for free. Oh, okay. Well, we'll be sure to uh, link that up in our show notes. Um, Doreen, you're seeing some other things too, aren't you? I mean, I, I've heard of things like uh, energy oils and that kind of thing. Any thoughts on those? Yeah, this is where it gets tricky because, of course, oils and crystals are in the Bible. Crystals are in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And this is where things get twisted because it comes down to idolatry. And in the New Age, crystals and essential oils are idols that are believed to have special powers apart from their creator. And I see that encroaching into the church, unfortunately, where women will be selling doTERRA and Young Living Oil. And, and those are both New Age companies. And if you mm -hmm. don't believe me, come to my Instagram page. I'll show you how they push astrology, how they, which, by the way, no Christian should be involved in astrology. The Magi are not endorsements of astrology. <laughs> That's in <the> Bible. right. <laughs> okay. Um, so the New Age pushes all sorts of vibrational healing, which is a New Age concept. Uh, and, and so essential oils in and of themselves are, you know, they're, they're innocuous. Uh, I use them for cleaning or fragrance, for instance. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The, um, but it's when we think that, oh, this little bottle that Young Living says it's called abundance and I paid $50 for this little bottle. And it tells me that if I put this bottle in a diffuser, that I will attract money. That's witchcraft. That's right, where right. we get into trouble is when you think that an oil has magical properties. It doesn't. I mean, lavender is scientifically shown to relax people. And mm -hmm. it's a good idea to put it on your pillow if you're having insomnia. But that's very different than thinking this lavender will attract my soulmate and will fix mm -hmm. my life. You know, that's right. God's God's will, not the oil's will. And then right. crystals, same thing where people will think that a specific crystal will fix some part of their life. I was a teacher of that in the new age. I wrote a book called Crystal Therapy. I used to teach mm -hmm. it to people. I repent. I apologize. Um, I was an idolater of crystals. I would travel to Sedona, Arizona and go to the crystal shops. My house was filled with thousands of dollars worth of crystal ornaments and jewelry. Look, if someone wants to have a crystal on their shelf, just like a bouquet of roses, both are made by God and they're both beautiful. That's one thing. But if you're having a crystal on your shelf because you think it's protecting you, Instead of Jesus protecting you, if you're thinking that it's going to give you something instead of God's will for you, that's idolatry. And that is a very serious sin that we have to repent for. Mm. 
That's absolutely true. And I just want to say thank you so much for talking about all those things that are creeping into the church, because I know that I've been mentioning, especially yoga, and you know we've talked about the Enneagram and stuff like that for the longest time. And it really helps to have someone who was, who has firsthand knowledge of those things and, and used to be so heavily involved in those things coming out and saying, don't do this. You know, like I've, I've talked to several um, former yoga instructors and that have gotten saved and they all come out and say, do not do this. This is, you know, it's not just uh, innocuous. It's, it's something that it's, it's a worship practice and you're worshiping demons essentially. So, um, so thank you really for talking about that. And, um, and when we see things like that starting to happen in, in our church, we need to really be aware of it and we need to, um, to prayerfully and kindly and gently approach our church leadership and uh, especially, you know, our pastor, or maybe if, if the women's ministry director is the one that is, um, instigating all these things we need to to approach them kindly lovingly but with biblical evidence and and explain to them this is not biblical this is demonic this is idolatry just like you were saying so i really really appreciate you talking about all those things and giving us a little more insight into how harmful they can be for christians and for the church well now i want to switch yeah now, uh, now I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your growth in Christ since you got saved. You were telling us earlier that, you know, you grew up in Christian science and then, you know, kind of out of the frying pan into the fire of the new age and then into another fire of, uh, you know, the uh, the Episcopal church that you were talking about. And then uh, as you went along and you learned more about scripture, you know, the Bible tells us that um, people get saved by hearing the word of God. Uh, and, and so you you learned more about the Word of God, and you actually did get saved. And I believe you said you got saved when you were fifty-nine, right? That's You've been right. Saved about four years now. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm sixty-three okay. now. Uh huh. So, so just a baby in spiritual terms, yes. still. Yeah. But you've grown so much so fast, and I think that's just so great. It's just such a testament to what the Lord can do in our lives. Well, Titus two three through five tells us that. The older women in the church are to teach and disciple the younger women toward spiritual maturity. But how does that work when a woman like you comes to faith in Christ later in life? I mean, how have the women of your church helped to disciple you? What do older women who are new Christians need from the other women of their church regarding discipleship? That's such a great question. I love this because I want to kind of dive deep into this if we could. Um, and so when we look at the Greek word for older or an aged woman, it's presbytus um, in, in uh, Titus 2.3. And uh, this is talking about older women um, who are supposed to disciple younger women. And, and so presbytus is a derivative, a feminine of the word for elder, like we would see in First uh, Timothy 3, for instance. And I think we all understand when we talk about elders in the church that they aren't necessarily chronologically elders, even though the Greek of both the masculine, which is presbyteros for men, um, it, it literally means an older person. It means an, an aged person. So uh, from a literal standpoint, it is talking chronologically. But from a practical standpoint, I think we all go to solid churches where elders may not be a senior citizen, right? 
Right. I mean, they are men. They are men, uh, husbands of one wife. Um, and then we also know that they are not um, n- new believers. Uh, neophyton is the word in Greek. Uh, neophyte is where that comes from. So if we take a look at the man's model, where they're, they're not necessarily an older man, and they're definitely not a new believer, we can kind of put that into uh, an analogy for the Titus to older women doesn't necessarily have to be chronologically older. And, and the younger woman, which I was, uh, I was a baby in Christ, um, isn't necessarily chronologically younger. So I think that's where it, it, it comes from is um, as, as a neophyte, we don't have the spiritual maturity or life experience to deal with sinful temptation that comes to Christians or the spiritual warfare we have to deal with. Um, I, when I look back when I was first saved, um, I was doing weekly videos already on YouTube with 180,000 views per week per video um, where it was new. It was all new age where I was reading angel cards and predicting the week ahead. And it was really popular. And then I, you know, I started to get convicted. This is before I was saved. And I started to read the Bible and I started to put my Bible in these new age videos. I would pull a card and then read the Bible. I mean, I was, I didn't know at that time, you can't blend the two. Um, And, and so I was a neophyte who was teaching and my theology was upside down in the beginning. And I, you know, I, I should have been like Paul who went away to Arabia for three years before he was in the public sphere I justified it because my products were still out there. um, And I was afraid if I went away that people would think that that was an endorsement of my products, just, you know, okay to still use them. I've stayed in the sphere for a few reasons um, because of just saying, do not buy my products, burn them, don't buy any new Mm -hmm. age products. And also because it is encroaching in the church. And I feel like like an ex bank robber can tell a bank how not to get robbed or an ex house robber can tell you how to not, how to foolproof your house so you don't get robbed. I'm like that. I'm like, I I can tell you all not how to have to be robbed by false doctrine of new age. So I stay out there, even though I get a lot of criticism for it. um, And I do my best to stay theologically sound. It's why I went to seminary for the past two and a half years to because I had read the Bible my whole life. As I said, I got a King James Bible when I was just a little kid, read it every week, the Christian science lessons out of context, of course, but I was reading the Bible. Um, but I, I needed to have my theology straightened out. So I went to seminary just so that I could learn how to rightly divide the word. And let me tell you, it was really challenging. The, we had to write papers. Sometimes it was like 10 or 12 papers a week I had to write a paper on every book of the Bible, and then we'd break it down into every chapter of the Bible, and 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 we had to go into Greek and Hebrew. I'm not proficient by any means, but you know enough to really understand uh, and respect the languages, um, and and just to do that for two and a half years, immerse myself in theology, um, really helped me to know because I'd get A's on my papers that okay, God is doing a work on my heart. God, this Bible has renewed my mind. I didn't do this. This is all God's work. It's a miracle that he took my thinking and just went 180 degrees like that and gave me a new heart and a new life. I'm so grateful because I was, I was going to hell um, before I was saved. And I just don't want anyone to go to hell um, if God's calling them. And I don't want them messing with the new age and 
following a false Christ or a false gospel. Oh, amen. Right. So have, have yeah. the have the women of your church that you're in now have they kind of come around you and helped you in that and supported you in all of that? Yeah, yeah. I go to a real solid Baptist church, and uh, we have a women's Bible study. They they all know my background. Uh, many of them have watched my videos. They've watched you on my videos and read my book. <laughs> And, um, and they, they don't hold back. If I'm out of line, they, they call me out. <laughs> they do. So I love that. That's what we need. We need honest sisters. Yes. yes. Oh. I, and I, I just wanted to kind of go down that seminary path because you went to Western Seminary. And uh, I wanted to our listeners to know you have a master's degree in biblical and theological studies, 3.9 GPA. That's uh, really cool. And I uh, just want to ask you if you have any thoughts for um, other women who might be considering seminary. Uh, maybe they just want to learn more about the Bible or maybe serve their churches as godly women and are in our godly roles. What what uh, thoughts might you have uh, for somebody who's hearing this thinking, yeah, maybe seminaries for me? Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend seminary. I met a lot of women in mm-hmm. seminary. Um, probably the majority were thinking they were going to become pastors um, and our seminary did not correct them, uh, in fact, encouraged them. <laughs> but I, I have a couple sisters who went for the same reason as me, to learn how to rightly divide the word. Um, and to be useful in in the Bible prescribed ways, like to talk to other women or to talk to children um, and such. Um, and so I do recommend seminary, but be very discerning about which seminary you go to. Mm-hmm. Because even in my own seminary, which used to be called Western Conservative Baptist Seminary, um, there were some real liberal teachers, and I had to just be very discerning about what teachers I would take for each class that was mm-hmm. required. I took 56 units, so it was a lot of classes, and sometimes I would get a liberal teacher, and I would have to be really like prayerful about turning in papers when I knew they were not going to like what I was saying. I'd have to argue for the Reformed view and and the cessationist view when they were, you know, definite continuationists, Arminians. So there was a few tricky places in seminary, but um, I think it all worked out and it was, it was humbling. And I, I needed to be humbled in the new age. I was an absolute diva narcissist because of all the standing ovations I got everywhere I went and people telling me, Oh, you're an angel from God. And, and (laughs) I just, yeah. So I, I needed to be humbled and all this experience has been deeply humbling to tell the whole world I was wrong to tell my children, I'm sorry, I raised you wrong. Um, It's just, I needed that. Oh, that's great. It has, it has just been so great hearing your story today, Doreen. And there's, you know, there's so much that we can take from that. Just like you said about humility, raising your children right, being discerning, watching the things that are coming into your church, being careful to handle scripture in context, you know, studying hard to, uh, to show yourself approved and to rightly handle God's word and all of those things. So thank you for sharing all of that with us. Is there anything that we haven't asked you about that you'd like to share with the listeners or maybe uh, what's next on the horizon for you, God willing? Oh, absolutely. I want to encourage people like you did at the beginning, Michelle and Amy. Um, if you have a loved one who's involved with the new age, the best thing you can do is pray for them and to share the gospel with them. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Um, people can't be saved unless they hear the gospel. So you could pray that someone has an evangelist cross their path who will share the gospel. Um, you can share with them a Ray Comfort video. Those are real New Ager friendly. You know, they get they get through the bypass the the defenses. Um, I I th- 
my brother prayed for me. He was saved 20 years before me, praise the Lord. And he never stopped praying for me. He had his men's Bible study praying for me. A lot of people afterwards said, we were praying for you. Um, prayer is so essential. And if I can get saved at 59 as the top selling new age author, anyone can. I was like yes. the thief on the cross, you know, <laughs> I just, I just praise God so much for his mercy. It's just to save a wretch like me is amazing. That's fantastic. Uh, Doreen, I know that a lot of people probably want to know where they can find you online, watch your videos, connect with you on social media. Uh, tell us where you are. Yeah, I try to put out a video every other week on YouTube where I interview um, solid teachers like yourselves and um, and then research I've done on New Age deceptions. So you can find me on YouTube, Doreen Virtue for Jesus, F-O-R, Jesus. My, my YouTube channel used to be called Angel Therapy and YouTube won't let me change that, but they let me give oh. it a second name. Uh, during virtue for Jesus, they wouldn't let me make it during virtue anyway, um, or Instagram during virtue, you can write me there. Um, but I'm really slow responding because I'm not on social media that much. It's, it's, uh, it's upsetting. Social yeah. media is very upsetting. I go on as much as I can. I pray for strength to go on. But um, when I do, I try to answer as many questions as I can. And, and it's never enough because there's thousands of letters in my inbox. But uh, do write me and keep writing because it'll pop the letter to the top. And then I'm on Facebook. Um, and uh, also, I guess that's it. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like you guys on MeWe and all that. I tried, but I just... Oh, I have an account. I just don't go over there very much. Okay. <laughs> Your videos are great. And I would really encourage our our, our listeners to, to go over to YouTube and find you and to watch some of those videos. And and as always, you know, we'll, the, all the links that Doreen just mentioned, we will have those in the show notes for you. Doreen, thanks so much for being on the show. It's, all, you know, always great to chat with you. And I know this episode is going to be really informative and really encouraging for our listeners. So thanks for coming on. Thank you both. This has been such an honor and such a joy to be with you both. Oh, we've really enjoyed it. We Thank sure you. have. Well, be sure to head on over to awardfitlyspoken.life to get those links for Doreen's website, her social media, and for ordering her book. And do order her book. It's really, really good. And while you're at our website, you can follow us on social media too. And you can also support us on PayPal or Patreon. And most importantly, if you know someone who's in Christian science or the New Age or any other unbiblical system, or if they're just a plain old unbeliever, you can click on the Good News tab on our website and get a super biblical gospel presentation to share with him or her. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you've dabbled in the new age and you're just realizing that, praise God that he has opened your eyes yes. today and that uh, that you now have something to repent for. I know that sounds kind of strange to praise for that, but that is definitely something to praise God for. Uh, you can turn and repent and find biblical truth. Until next time, stay out of the new age, cling to the rock of ages, and walk worthy. 